and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host, joined by James Fox, senior writer at Future Sox. Today, a special guest, a part of the Chicago White Sox player development team, Devin DeYoung, ticketed to be the bench coach of AA Birmingham this season. However, we obviously know circumstances change things a little bit. Devin, first year in the organization, welcome into the Future Sox podcast. Also, congratulations on your position with the Chicago White Sox. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Devin, there's so much that we want to talk about within the White Sox, obviously, player development uh, department. Specifically, though, let's focus on you first, because, uh, like I said, first year with the White Sox, you came from Boston. That was your first stint in affiliated baseball. But before that, you got your start professionally within independent baseball. Could you kind of yep. take us through your process of getting to where you are today? Yeah, it was more so uh, being really lucky associating myself with, with some people that are way smarter than me. Um, but I, I got my, my first gig with the Rockland Boulders as, as a player coach, and they quickly said, hey, you're kind of bad at this playing thing, but do you want to coach? And uh, I said, do I get to keep my uniform? And they said, yep. So. I, uh, I stuck around and, uh, and then I just decided to chase coaching. Then I spent a season in the Northwoods league with the Wisconsin Rapids rafters. We won both halves and won the world series and had, I think 15 or 16 players end up playing professional baseball. And then I got lucky enough to land a gig about 35 minutes out my front door with the windy city Thunderbolts. I spent two seasons there as a hitting coach slash bench coach. And then I landed with uh, the Boston Red Sox and I was in low A with them. I had a couple conversations with a couple organizations during the off season and the White Sox were a great fit for me. What about the White Sox, Devin, that were such a great fit? Uh, and then your skill set, how does it tailor to uh, working with a lot of the guys within the organization? Well, they just invested a ton of money in uh, a tech lab in Arizona. And uh, we have force blades, motion capture, bat sensors, hit tracks, so we can get batted ball data. So now we can get a, a really good look at human movement and why things are happening and trying, trying to find like root causes for why performance happens. Devin, what, what's the significance of biomechanical engineering in baseball, I guess, and then how, how is it beneficial to player development? The biggest thing is we're taking out some guessing. You know, before just using our eyes, we had to be way more creative with how to make a player better. And we might chase down a rabbit hole that leads to nowhere, ultimately leaving players confused and frustrated. But now we have, we have the, the ability to – quantify all of their movements. We run them through movement assessments and we can find deficiencies in, in their body as far as human movement. And from there, we can, we can explain why certain things happen in their swing often or, or why they, they swing efficient and like, hey man, leave it alone. That's the, best, that's the best circumstance. When we put somebody through an assessment and we go, hey man, you just stay there. And uh, that, that's, that's the best because then they go, oh, great. And then they go into games and they're even more confident with the, the fact that they are laying out a, a quality swing. 
Yeah, so I talked to Ben Hansen earlier this year, you know, when he was hired, like before the whole world shut down. What, what has it been like working, I guess, with him? He might be the smartest person I've ever been around. He's very intelligent. He gets very creative with the data collection that he does. He's definitely taught me a lot. So I, I try to be next to that guy as much as I can and just listen. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're obviously a former player, and some guys aren't. He, how much do you think it helps him that he was, too? Uh, I think so. But that, uh, the stigma of you had to play for a long time, I think, is, is starting to, to leave our industry. It's more so about being human beings and, and interacting with each other. And as long as we're all you know, creative and collectively moving towards developing players, I think players respect when, when you just dive in and work really hard for them, no matter what your background is. Devin, how are the players responding to some of this information? I know it's, it's pretty new for the organization to implement these things and for these players to di- digest all the information. What's it been like for them and their intake? It's a mixed bag. Some of the players are already exposed to it, and they're a little more ahead as far as what they want out of it. But there's there's plenty of guys in our organization that are experiencing this for the first time. So it's my job to help translate a little bit for them because it it gets very overwhelming. I get overwhelmed sometimes with how much information that we can find. Every night I'm I'm diving down a rabbit hole and taking notes and exploring like our 4D motion software and just diving into random players. So I can only imagine – the player's perspective when it comes to seeing 500 things that we measured. But it's, it's our job to help guide them in their focus. What's the most important thing? What's the lowest hanging fruit that will be the most beneficial right now for your overall human movement? So you're working a lot with hitters, and I'm just curious, and you're talking about a lot of information there. If you could give us an example of some of the things that, say you're working with a hitter, And if you have somebody in mind, that'd be great if you'd like to share with us and just provide what you're explaining to them and then how they're trying to fix it as a response. So as far as gaining trust from players, a movement assessment right off the bat is a great way to show them that you're invested in in their career and your intentions are fully geared towards helping them get to the big leagues. I know myself when I was when I was playing, I was around awesome people with great information, but there was still something missing. I'm like, you know, I'm getting all this great information. I'm doing what they're saying. They're great educators. They constantly develop themselves. But then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why is hitting still hard for me? So that's kind of why I dove into chasing answers. But, you know, specifically, we, I was just working with a player that through a movement assessment, we showed him just for instance, him setting up with his foot slightly turned in helps him maintain a, a hip load better. And once we did that and taught him how to load into his hip and did some motor learning exercises, he, he quickly made like a 180, 180 turn on his, on his performance. And he actually said, my swings never felt this controlled in my life. And using like his, his blast sensor, he's he, he became very consistent with, uh, with his metric. And it was really just trying to find one, one piece that kind of was leading to the inconsistencies. 
Devin, there, you know, there are a lot of player development changes with the White Sox, like heading into this year, you're, you know, yourself, you were one of them, but th there were a lot of noticeable ones on the hitting side. Ben Broussard moving over to director of hitting, Joe Hansen's role changed, Howie Clark came into the organization. So what type of philosophies are being pushed that make the White Sox approach to hitting, I guess, unique? Obviously, you weren't here before, so I, I, you know, I don't know how much you know that would change, but I guess, like, is there some sort of, like, overall hitting philosophy that was going to be implemented? It's not one singular philosophy, and, and I like the direction that we're heading. We're quickly developing the coaching staff and the players. I would say it's, it's more so treat every hitter like the individual that they are. And we've put systems in place with Broussard and Johansson. They've come together and put systems in place that make the process way smoother. It, it makes it consistent. And we can really just target, like Johansson likes to say, the, the lowest hanging fruit. What's going to make the biggest impact and make our time efficient? So, I mean, your official title, you know, you were going to be a bench coach at AA Birmingham. Would, would you say that maybe like assistant hitting coach there as well? Like, you know, how, how did you expect, I guess, that to go? The way it was explained to me was I, I was going to assist everybody. My main responsibilities was was to work with catchers and base runners and then I assist I would have assisted Charlie with the hitters and helped out with anything my manager needs and then collaborate with the pitching coach on like game calling and uh, what the pitchers need out of the catchers so I was gonna have to wear a lot of hats in that role it would it would have been nice to, for you to be able to take some credit for Andrew Vaughn that would have been fun <laughs> I don't think I can take any credit from that guy ever. He's he's a pretty efficient mover, and uh, he's definitely a special personality and, and a, a special level of focus. The guy is locked in all the time. That That's who I thought of when you were, you know, when you mentioned that some guys you don't touch, you know, like you get them in your, your program and you're like, all right, that's great, you're going to stop messing with them. That's the first guy that I thought of. Yeah, so a guy like him, we can say, hey, man, your, your movement's great. Your, your swing is always in sequence. You're fast. You obviously have some bat-to-ball skills. But we're more so going to focus on him maintaining his speeds or even increasing. And then we can focus – we can get all the mechanical stuff out of the way, and then we get to strictly focus on, on his execution and games. And, you know, a guy like him, he has the luxury – of just focusing on the task at hand rather than like, hey, uh, what, what, do you, what do you see in this? What, what do you got on my elbow? You know, and uh, it's really not relevant. We run into that a lot where a player will get distracted on something that really has nothing to do with his performance. And we have the capability of saying, see, it really doesn't matter. Let's just focus on the angles we're hitting on. So what are your responsibilities now? I mean, considering in March, everything was full go, and we were actually out there together in spring training uh, when things got shut down. So I'm sure things yeah. changed for you in a hurry. Uh, but now, are you, are you able to work from home? Are the White Sox sending you reports? So what's the situation for you right now? Yeah, I have, I have 11 hitters I'm keeping track of. Two of them are local guys. Uh, so I get to be one-on-one -on -one hands-on with those guys. And I'm like setting up live, live at bats for those guys and just running them through their training and, and keeping track of their movement prep. The other guys, I just 
I'm weekly calling these guys and trying to figure out how to best make their time efficient right now because it's definitely a unique situation. So I'm trying to play psychologist a little bit with some of the guys and a handful of them. It's like, you know, they, they, their training becomes monotonous and just trying to be creative for them to maybe challenge themselves a little bit more. But yeah, I have weekly, I got to turn in some reports. We're doing a lot of uh, player development staff, zoom, zoom calls. And we're, we're just trying to figure out how to be efficient with this unique time. So how is the information say you're in a game live? Right. How is this information disseminated throughout the contest, throughout a live game? Do you have that capability or is it just more of gathering the information and then going over it at a different time? Yeah, no. I mean, we have we have TrackMan in, in center field so we can get some batted ball data immediately. I think I think they changed the rules going into this season that didn't happen uh, as far as what you can have in the dugout. But before you, you're you're able to see immediately how hard a guy hit hit a baseball or and then you can maybe talk about that later on in the game when when they're in the dugout but mostly it's like let's let's create an efficient player development plan and trust that training and and make adjustments as we go and and then allow them to just be in the arena and perform we do have on minor league guys we're allowed to have a blast motion sensor so we can keep track of their bat metrics and that'll tell you some biomechanics relative to where where their spine is. And but we we can me- we can measure what the bat's doing, and we have batted ball data. But as far as like motion capture, we don't we're not necessarily using that in game. That's more so uh, assessing their training. Devin, you know we don't expect you to like share any names with us. Obviously, you said you're in charge of like 11 guys. Would those typically have been guys maybe who you were expecting to see at double A or the younger guys? And if they are younger guys, did you have to like change on the fly at all? Like getting ready to be the double A bench coach and then maybe you get assigned like guys in rookie ball or something? It's a mixed bag. I, I got some rookie ball guys. I got some double A guys, some guys with triple A time. Uh, so I'm, I've, I, I think they designed it based off of who they thought I might be actually helpful for. And it's more so about developing some relationships because I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity to do that because I I only had like two days in minor league camp. Uh, the entire time I was in spring training, I was in big league camp. So I was spending time with, with those guys rather than developing relationships with, with the guys that weren't in big league camp and were going to be on my double-A roster. Yeah, and I, you know, I think a lot of the guys you were going to have are actually in Schaumburg right now. So you're – you, you're home, right? You haven't been in Schaumburg at all? No, I'm, I'm not. They're, they're keeping that staff pretty limited. Um, yeah. I know they got Ben and Howie up there. But, yeah, they're just for the safety of all the players, I think they, they're trying to keep the numbers down as much as possible. Devin, a couple more for you. Really good stuff. Really enjoying the time. Before we get into the independent ball conversation, because I'd love to get your take on the state – of our Thunderbolts as well as, you know, the rest of that industry because it's so fascinating. But before that, I wanted to ask you, as a member of the Chicago White Sox player development staff, is there anybody within the department that you've kind of gravitated towards, maybe as an instructor or somebody you like working with that you're learning from uh, that you're taking the most out of so far? Yeah, like uh, Ben Hansen, Broussard, 
uh, Rob Seifert. I lean on those guys for, for like the mental side and the, the human relationship because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get somewhat of a like tech label, but I'm, I'm more worried about their emotional state more than anything. Communicating with players, I, I focus less on, on their movement uh, and just try to get them to do it. And I more so communicate with them on like on why things happen, what their mental state is, uh, what their what their thoughts are as far as performing. And then Joe Hansen uh, has has been a huge educator for me. Uh, I I definitely gravitate towards him. But we got we we have some awesome people in our player development staff. Like Howie Clark is is incredible. Uh, I've had a ton of conversations with him just based off of his experiences and, and we tend we tend to have some pretty good give and take and, and share share ideas with each other. That's really encouraging to know uh, that the White Sox are committing to this department uh, so seriously and it's awesome to know that you're also a part of it. So again, congrats on being a part of the Chicago White Sox. Appreciate and like, it. Yeah, and like we said, you're, you're coming from Indy Ball, you know, Windy City Thunderbolts out in Frontier League, Crestwood, Illinois. And you, you make the leap from there to Boston. You're an affiliated ball now. Obviously, you're familiar with what's going on with Major League Baseball amateur draft, how that shrunk down to five rounds and all these players, how it affects their career paths. And you're also very familiar with the lifestyle of independent baseball players. So where's the incentive to continue to play? As we know that the financials in the game are, you know, in question, I would say. And then minor league baseball is, is seeing a reduction across the board. So I'm, I'm just curious your take on, on how this impacts those types of players. I mean, I, I think independent baseball is always going to have a place. It would be, it would definitely be a shame to see independent baseball crumble, but I, I, it's, it's the nature of indie ball guys to, to grind, man, to, to an extent there's indie ball guys know how to grind a little bit harder than affiliated guys. You know, they're getting fed hot dogs after games and, and then hopping on a bus uh, for 12 hours. And, but I, I, think, I think indie ball will definitely survive. I would think that more leagues are going to condense and turn into one league, kind of like uh, the Can-Am and the Frontier did. They're kind of turning it into, you know, a juggernaut baseball league. But there's definitely still a place. Uh, I, I know all these indie ball four-team leagues in one stadium they're all popping up all over the country right now. And a lot of these guys have done a great job just like slapping, slapping this thing together and fans are starting to come into the ballpark. And I know, I know it's going pretty well in Washington, Pennsylvania, the, the league in Joliet, but I, I think it'll all go back to normal and be frontier league. It was just kind of a, a release, do it on your own. So we're not in interstate play. Devin, last thing for me, I actually think indie ball could benefit a little bit from some of this. And we've covered, I guess, like what it does to major league clubs. Like you're going to a 20, 20 round draft now, probably, I think, into the future. You know, the, the rumors of four affiliates per team. I think theoretically that makes indie ball a little bit better. I mean, you got, you know, you got 20 rounds of players not being taken. So, you know, I think there might be better players playing in independent leagues next year and the year after that that have opportunities to play major league or to play affiliated ball from that route. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a great take on it. I definitely would see that happening. And it's still going to be 
the the same element where like a guy like me like no shot at getting drafted and I just kind of squeak into professional baseball or a guy like Kevin Lennick that that we had in Windy City uh he was an outfielder in college and ended up training with like Tom Howes to to get some velo and figure out his movement he shows up and he's he's pumping 97 98 with sinkers and he got missed so he got signed by the rangers he got released and then and then we picked him up and then he got picked up by the royals and basically went straight to triple a now he's with boston but a guy like that independent baseball is a perfect platform that that gives a, a legitimate seriously seriously good prospect a chance to actually enter the game Yeah, I think that's where the value is, right? Obviously, in minor league baseball and independent ball, it's that drive to continue to reach the dream. It gives you that opportunity. And I I agree with you. I think independent ball is going to be fine. And I think the White Sox are going to be fine too, Devin, because uh, there's a lot of talent within that farm system, as I'm sure you well know. I really appreciate you jumping on the Future Sox podcast today. Love the conversation. We're going to be looking forward to, you know, what the White Sox and what your department can uh, put together over these next couple of years. So congrats and keep moving forward. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's Devin DeYoung, bench coach, or at least ticketed to be the bench coach of AA Birmingham within the Chicago White Sox organization. Pleasure to have him on. Pleasure to have you listening. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Check us out on anchor.fm forward slash future Sox. For Devin DeYoung and James Fox, my name is Mike Rankin. We will talk to you all next time.